It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jesus said there would be wars, earthquakes, famine, and pestilence. That nation would rise against nation. There would be false Christs, signs in the heavens, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The sun would be darkened, and the moon would not give its light. Men's hearts would fail them for fear. The destruction of Damascus, Gog and Magog, the rapture, the man of sin, Armageddon, Nuclear war, destruction of society, genetic engineering, transhumanism, the UFO phenomena, global government, universal church, and doctrines of demons. Enter the realm of last days. We invite you to another exciting episode of Last Days Broadcast, where we will examine current events in light of God's prophetic word. And now your host, Pastor Jerry. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Last Day's Broadcast. I'm your host, Pastor Jerry, and we're glad you could tune in and be with us this week. We've been talking about the rapture, the first resurrection, the coming of Christ, what would be the next great event on God's prophetic calendar, and certainly I believe it is the rapture of the church. And I want us today to look in the Scriptures, and we'll start at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and also we'll go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll get some insight into the church, and insight into what God is uh, going to do with those of us who are a part of His body, a part of the bride of Christ. Paul says this in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4, but we would not have you ignorant brethren. So God again is talking to the church, He doesn't want us to be ignorant or to not know. Therefore, he's writing a letter to the church, that's you and I, who are believers, letting us know what he is, is, is about to transpire and what has transpired with, with those who have gone on before us. He says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep. That's a term that you'll see used in the New Testament quite a bit. And that term is speaking of death. And for a believer in Jesus, the one who has been born again through faith in Christ, we don't die, my friend. Our body ceases to exist, but we do not die. It's as if we go to sleep. We no longer are here on this side, of, on this part of earth, but we move on to another place, okay, when we leave this life, when our body expires. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep that you may grieve as others do who have no hope. People who do not believe in Christ, who have not accepted His offer of forgiveness, who have not put their faith and trust in the sacrifice that He made on the cross on their behalf, they have no hope. Jesus Christ is the only hope 
for the believer. He's the only hope for immortality in a good state. I mean, every person that is alive is immortal. Uh, when you came into existence, you were in a mortal spirit. You will live forever. But where you spend eternity is determined by whether you have received Christ, the Son of God, or whether you have rejected Him. Simple as that. We are not like the unbeliever. We should not grieve when a believer passes. Someone says, well, are we sorry or are we upset? Certainly we are. We will miss their presence. We will miss them. But they have gone on to be in the presence of the Lord. But the hope of the believer is not heaven where those believers are now. The hope of the believer, my friend, is the resurrection of the dead to immortality. See, our spirit and soul is immortal, but our bodies are very much mortal because of the sin nature. But let's read on and see what Paul is saying. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the basis of our faith, even so Jesus, even through Jesus, God will, now listen to this, bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. So when we talk about the second coming, is it in one part or is it in two parts? I want to give you what may be a trick question, so I want you to stay on your toes here. I want us to look at it from another perspective, if you would. It may very well be a one-time only event. In other words, Christ may come and He may not go back to heaven. I want you to bear with me. Somebody says, oh, I think I smell heresy there. No, bear with, let, me, let me bear this out. And then you tell me, okay? Now notice what he says here. Christ will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Why is He, when He comes for the church, bringing with Him those who have died? Because they're not in a body. They're, they are in a spiritual state. You know, heaven is a spiritual place. Heaven is where the spirits of the just are today that have put their faith in Jesus. He must bring them with Him because at His advent, or His unveiling to the church, He comes as a thief in the night, He will resurrect the church as well as those bodies for those who He brings with Him. So He has to bring them, them who are in heaven today with Him. Now let's read on. And He says, This I declare to you by the word of the Lord. Paul didn't play in here, is he? He's saying, this is the word of the Lord. You can write it down. Bank on this. And remember, this was a mystery. The church was a mystery in the Old Testament. Even in the Gospels, really, it was a mystery until Paul received revelation and gave it to the church. And he says, this is by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and who are left, left where? Here on the earth. Until the coming of the Lord, notice he used that term, the coming of the Lord, shall not precede or go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. So we're not going to be resurrected first, is what he's saying, or go before those who have died. We're not ahead of those. We have a church history since Pentecost, almost 2,000 years of people who have died and are with the Lord. No, he's bringing them with him when He comes for us who are remaining on the earth and are alive. 
in the physical body. He's coming, bringing them, and there's an event that takes place. We call it the rapture. Everybody gets excited about that term. Said, oh, the, the, there is no rapture. Or no, the rapture comes at the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation, because that's when the resurrection... I'm going to clear all that up today, hopefully. The rapture is the resurrection of all church saints, past and present. And when God closes out this age of this church age, there will be no future church. Okay? We are the church. Now, God has a plan for mankind that contains salvation. Somebody say amen. amen. But right here, there's only one bride, one body, one church. Now, we'll see that in this passage here. The Lord Himself, the Scripture says, not somebody else, the Lord will descend from where? Heaven. With the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and something happens when he descends. The dead in Christ, where are they? In heaven. They're going to rise first. Now wait a minute, he's bringing them with him. So what is actually rising up from the earth in the trumpet sound? Their new bodies will be fashioned from the dust of the earth. And, it, and they're gonna and they're gonna they're gonna rise up to meet those spirits and they're gonna become one. They're gonna be reunited with a body that's unique to them. That's been resurrected. Just like Jesus was put spiritually back, he put himself back into his body in the tomb and rose up. Those who have died before will be raised up by the power of God. By the Spirit of God and by the faith they've put in Christ, and they will live again. The dead will live again. And they're going to be reunited with that spirit into a body. See, man was never created by God to live in heaven. You're never going to live in heaven. Those who are in heaven now are just waiting outside of time for their new body. They're not complete. They're incomplete. And they're not in pain or suffering, but they're waiting. They're like, man, we, you know, we, we were waiting to be whole again. Thankfully, they're not in time. It's been 2,000 years. They'd be crying by now if it was me. But no, they're, they're outside of time in eternity. And they're just waiting. When that event happens, it's central to those in heaven. And it's a central event to those of us who are on the earth. We're waiting for the Lord. We're told to look for His return, you see. Because we will be changed. Now, he goes on and says, The dead will rise first, and we which are alive and, and who are left, those of us on the earth, shall be caught up together with them. We're going to be caught up together with them. I mean, we're not, there's going to be a whole generation on the earth who never dies. Amen. I believe it's our generation. I believe we're seeing that time frame that we're living in is exactly what Jesus said it would be at His coming for His church. And we're caught up together. They're raised. And we're caught up with them. Now, here's this is incredible. Read this. In the what? Clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We're going to be with the Lord. Once we're called up to be with Him, He's the head, we're the body, we'll no longer be separated. And positionally in Christ, we're already seated with Him in the heavenlies. We're really not separated from Him. But... We're waiting on that resurrection so that we can in actuality be with the Lord. 
That's what we're designed to be. When we're caught up together with the dead in Christ, the whole body will be with the head. But notice, we're not taken back to heaven. There are two events that take place with the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, after the resurrection. One is the beam of seat, and the second one is the marriage of the Lamb. That could take place as we're caught up and we're out of time. We're in eternity at that, at that point. But notice we're caught up in the air. We're caught up in the clouds. When we read scriptures about this Jesus, same Jesus who was taken up, will come in like man. He was caught up in the clouds. This physical earth that we live on, I believe, is embedded and surrounded by a spiritual world. Now when we talk about Ephesians 6 and the enemy of the church, these principalities and powers of darkness, uh, Satan is called the prince and power of the air. Now what happens when Christ descends to take his church? I believe he begins the process of evicting Satan and his fallen ones from the second heaven or the atmosphere or the air. Maybe we just maybe I'm throwing it out. I don't know, but I want you to consider. Put your thinking caps on. Maybe we take his place. Remember the the fallen ones originally were created by God to assist Him behind the scenes in running the nations, but they fell. They fell and became antagonists toward God. You see, every Gentile nation is run by, is headed up by a fallen spirit who is under Satan, the chief of the fallen spirits. Now we know in Revelation when the time of the end comes, he is cast to the earth with his angels at the midpoint. There's war in heaven. Maybe we, the church, are part of that warfare that evicts him from the second heaven. Now, you want to hear something that's crazy, but you read it here in the book of Revelation. When he comes back, who's following? The armies in... Come on, now. So shall we ever be. Once we're caught up, we're always with the Lord. Now, what does the Lord do? He executes judgment on the earth during that 70th week of Daniel. We're with Him. Thank you, God. So, well, what are we doing when we get resurrected? We're with Him. You see, just as... Behind natural man today are spirit beings that they cannot see. They're real. They cannot see. Earth will be here with Christ when the when these judgments are executed. As to the times and seasons, brethren, we go into uh, we got we're in First Thessalonians four and five, verse eleven of chapter five. Uh, we'll get there. And he says, "But you you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord." will come as a thief in the night when people say there is peace and safety or security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child and there will be no escape. But you, he's talking about the church, are not in darkness, brethren, that that day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, we're watching, we're waiting for it. Does Pastor Jerry talk about Jesus coming ever? Yes, always. I don't let it up to it. Robbie said he got his foot on the gas and it won't come off. Come on now. Because that's what we're to be doing. Look, I'm going to remind you, we're to be looking for Christ. And, and he says, you're not in darkness. You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of night or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Now, why does he... Now, that's a term for spiritual condition. Why does he want us not to fall asleep? Because we're supposed to be ready. 
does it mean that we're, it's possible we could be asleep? Yeah. Absolutely. You wouldn't tell somebody to do something they couldn't do. Uh, he said, don't be asleep as others. Come on. But let us keep awake and be sober. Again, spiritual condition. Don't be, yeah, don't be intoxicated with the yeah. world. Don't, yeah. don't be inebriated. <laughs> when, when you're inebriated, you don't feel anything. You, you, you just, yeah, you, he wants us to be alert and awake. Completely right. sober, completely awake. Those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. We're not of the night. But since we belong to the day, we are to put on the hope, the helmet as the hope of salvation, breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. What's coming? What's coming on the world? The wrath of God is coming. He's coming to remove His church, but He's going to pour out His wrath during that 70th week, that final week of years. He's going to judge the Gentiles for their treatment of Israel, and He's going to judge Israel to bring up the faith in their Messiah. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and sin will be judged. He says here that the Lord God died for us so that whether we are alive or dead, or awake or sleep, that we would live for Him. Hallelujah. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. So, we're encouraging one another that you know, the Lord is coming. We're going to be caught up with Him. But notice, He doesn't say anything about being caught up to heaven. That's the whole point. Is, is heaven really where we're destined? No. He, he came speaking of the kingdom of God and that it was coming on this earth. We as Christians are really in heaven right now according to Ephesians chapter 2. We're already seated with Christ in heaven. We just don't have our new bodies to put on. If we were... If we were able to, we'd experience heaven in full right now. You see, because Jesus was able to step between one world to, into the other. In other words, the Scripture says our resurrected body will be fashioned after His glorious body. And He walked into a room that was uh, without a door. I mean, He walked right into the room and appeared before Thomas. And then He disappeared out of his sight. He was walking down the road of Emmaus. And they didn't recognize him. Then all of a sudden, he opened their eyes. He was he was able to ascend up into the clouds in visible form. You know, yes. I mean, we will have that same ability. And we look at, and I may be using the wrong words because I don't know if there are any words for it. But we don't live in a universe. This what we look out in is a universe, but it is more than that. And I think with the CERN experiments that they're, the scientists are, they, they know they know that we're not there this is more likely a multiverse uh, there is different and I'm going to use the word dimensions of reality different dimensions that you and I are, are in what's called time and space in this physical dimension on earth we cannot leave here anyway <coughs> without enablement by God or Maybe other spiritual entities are able to do that with, with unsaved people, you see. CERN may inadvertently open up or may deliberately open up another dimension and allow beings from that dimension to come into this reality yeah. and or vice versa. But that's another message altogether. But you and I will be changed at the rapture. We'll be, be like Christ and have a body that can walk into heaven and see the Father 
and be able to at the next moment be be in Jerusalem or go and meet with someone else or maybe explore the wonderful universe God has made just at the speed of thought. See, we're limited now. We will not be limited in such a manner in the future. We'll be like Jesus. Why is God spending a lot of time putting you through trial and difficulty? Because He's trying to make your character, which is immortal, to be like His. And He's not waiting until you get to heaven to do that. He's going to do that with you now so that you can be a testimony and a light to the unbeliever so that they can see there really is a God. And they can then say, I want to put my faith in Jesus as well. If He didn't work on our character, there would be no difference between a believer and an unbeliever. So is there two aspects to the second coming of one? I've always taught there are two. In other words, once for His church and then again with His church to the earth. But maybe He really only comes once and He is invisible to the world but not the church. In other words, He takes us up. Maybe we don't leave. Maybe we're here throughout that tribulation. We just are not seen. Just like the angels are here, but they're not seen. Because what the second coming to the earth is, is called the perusia, the unveiling of His glory to the earth. And we will be with Him as His bride. We will all be unveiled to the earth, the inhabitants of the earth, at a specific point in time. But at the rapture, I believe we are with the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, He's preparing us for what's going to take place during the 70th week as well as afterward. And we'll be with the Lord during that period of time. Maybe He doesn't have to leave heaven again and come back a second time. Maybe He's already here. He's just not seen. And therefore, there's only one second coming and then the unveiling. Just a thought. But there is, there are two events. First for the church and then with the church. Now I want to show you a scripture as we close this broadcast. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven there shall all then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Yes. And he will sit. Now look at this. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. They will gather his elect from the four corners, from one end of heaven to the other. Now what is he talking about here? This is a different event than the rapture. Notice this is immediately after the tribulation of those days. He's unveiled in His glory. We go from His presence to His unveiling. You and I are caught up to be in His presence. But He's still not unveiled to the world yet. He is at the second coming when He comes in power. He will be unveiled to the world. What He has been in secret to His own during the days of the tribulation he now will be openly before the whole world. He will especially manifest Himself, listen to this, to the lawless one. Paul says, the Lord will slay him with the brightness of His breath of His mouth and destroy him at His appearing and coming. His appearing and coming is literally the epiphany of His perusia. The word epiphany means unveiling or outshining. 
And taken in that sense, Paul is calling this dramatic appearance of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of His presence, is the startling climax of the whole period which Jesus calls the close of the age. Now, next week I want to take this topic up. Where does Jesus take the church for seven years of tribulation? Where do we go? What do we do? Paul teaches, I'll give you a clue, in 1 Corinthians that the church will, number one, judge angels, and number two, judge the world. So if that's what Paul says the church will do, my question to you is, when and how will that take place? When will it take place? And how will it take place? I think we need to look closely at that 70th week of Daniel and our pre-tribulation rapture to meet the Lord in the air. There may be some answers there we have never considered before. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to take a moment of time and pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am not born again. I haven't received you into my life, but I want to. I want to be a part of that church that's raptured. I want to be a part of your family, of your... I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I believe you were raised up on the third day. And Lord, I place your, my faith in you that you took my sin upon yourself on that cross. Make me a new creation. And I'll live for you and I'll serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer and you believe it in your heart, you are a new creation. Write me. Email me. Let me know what God is doing in your life. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, may the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. Pastor Jerry welcomes your correspondence. You can email your comments, questions, and prayer requests to him at lowercase j-c-a-r-r-i-c-k-z-i-l-l-a at gmail.com. That's jcarrickzilla at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, we'll see you there or in the air. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.